Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Our federal government actively went to court. Spent your money, taxpayer money. This government went to court, spending your tax money to protect the privacy of Paul Bernardo. When did he do that? Just prior to his last parole hearing in 2021. They actively spent your money in order to, this is Parole Board and Correctional Service Canada, and federal lawyers went to court to protect Bernardo's privacy rights. And who were they protecting those privacy rights from? Good question, eh? Let's bring in Tim Danson, lawyer for the French and Mahaffey families. And I've known Tim for 35 years. I have nothing but the greatest respect for his work with victims of crime and, and their families in this country. And we'll talk about the cost of, of that and more as we go along. But Tim, so 2021, prior to the last parole hearing for Bernardo, and you told us last time how much he enjoys the spotlight, the federal government of Canada went to court to protect his privacy rights from whom? Well, they were trying to protect his privacy rights from uh, the, the, the victims of, of, of Paul Bernardo and, and, and the public. Uh, but just, just to clarify, the, where this began is that the families brought an Access to Information Act request for the the, the records that Paul Bernardo was relying upon to persuade the parole board uh, to release him, to basically relieve him of the consequences of his life sentence. We were also, because the Toronto Police Association was involved in this proceedings, we were also asking for the same type of records for Clinton Gale, who murdered Police Constable uh, Todd Bayliss, and Craig Monroe, who murdered Police Constable Michael Sweet. And in all three cases, uh, the government uh, denied uh, our Access to Information Act request. And then we took them to court uh, to reverse that. And they opposed us uh, rigorously. Uh, and then when it, when the argument ends, the, the court asked, asked the parties about costs. And the government asked if they, if, if they were to succeed on the application, which they ultimately did, that they wanted the families to pay the government, 19000 dollars which was just, I mean, shameful and shocking. In, in all my experience, that just doesn't happen. But clearly, uh, the government is uh, weaponizing costs to frighten responsible Canadians from bringing important public interest litigation against the government before the courts. And uh, the judge, in the end, uh, lowered that to 4000 but any costs against the families uh, is simply outrageous when they're engaged in such important public interest uh, and public protection uh, litigation. And, and even more shocking is that under the Access for Information Act, there's actually a provision uh, that, uh, that even the government will pay the cost of the losing party because they wanted to encourage these kinds of applications. And, um, and so there we had the cost order. We appealed it along with the merits. Uh, we argued the appeal uh, in January. We're still waiting for the decision. But on the eve of the, basically on the eve of the federal court of appeal, appeal, 
um, they knew that I was going to, to make a long story short, shame them in that position. And they were clearly concerned that this could prejudice their case. And so they walked it back and they waived the cost order. But they didn't do it for the right reasons. They did it for the wrong reasons. And it's deeply uh, concerning. And then there was another issue also equally involved, um, which I don't know if we have time to sure. get into it or no, not. Sure. Take, no, take all the time you want. I beg your pardon? Take all the time you want. Well, there was another uh, thing that went on, which I find even more, uh, n not only shocking, but I find it disgusting. Um, and that is um, often uh, important exhibits in a criminal trial find their way into the possession of Corrections Canada and the parole board. And uh, one of those exhibits, which we had a, a sealing order on, and ultimately we think we had them all destroyed after uh, the case was over and the Supreme Court of Canada had concluded on the matter. Uh, we also uh, destroyed the videotapes, all copies of the videotapes, crime scene pictures, autopsy pictures. We, we destroyed everything. And um, we had a concern whether or not this exhibit, though, found its way. And this what this exhibit is, is a transcript of the videotape. So on one side of the page is a frame-by-frame -frame description of what you see on the videotapes. And on the other side of the page, is the corresponding words that were spoken. It's a searing document. It was something that I needed to prepare early on in the proceedings when we were trying to prevent the media and certain authors to get access to these videotapes. Um, and um, we just wanted the Corrections Canada and the Pro Board to tell us whether or not they were in possession of that document. That's all we asked for. Corrections Canada, to their uh, the commissioner there, or the deputy commissioner, um, to their credit, answered our question and said, we do not have it. But the parole board said, we're not going to tell you whether we have it or not uh, because of Paul Bernardo's privacy interests. And, and this is filed in court. These are the, the, my, the letters are of public record. And we were outraged and we were saying, wait a minute, this is having an enormous uh, impact on, on the French's and the Mojaffe's. If this document gets out, particularly in our internet age, it is going to be horrific. And all we want to know, we're not, all we want to know is whether you have it or not. And for five and a half years, they put the, the uh, families through hell. Excuse my language, but it was just awful. Uh, the anguish and the despair and the fear they had that this could possibly get out into the public and again violate their, 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 their daughter's uh, uh, you know, images and, and, and reputation and memory and all of that. And again, uh, on the eve of the federal, uh, no, I'm sorry, at, on, at five o'clock, the day before we were before the, uh, in the federal court trial division, not the appeal division, five o'clock the day before, because they knew that we were going to make a big stink about this too, because it was so scandalous, so offensive to anyone who has any compassion uh, at all, uh, that we were going to expose this. And then at, so at the, literally the 11th hour, parole board advised us that they didn't have it. And my response, and I did say this to the Federal Court of Appeal, why did they have to put the families through five and a half years of hell uh, when, when all they had to tell us was they didn't have it? And how in God's name, excuse my language again, does Paul Bernardo have a privacy interest in the very videotapes where he's violating every conceivable human right, legal right imaginable and in, in a videotape, which is by itself child pornography, how can he have a privacy interest, which really exposes 
how bankrupt they are when they look at the privacy interests of these offenders. And when, and just taking this back to the costs, when um, we were before Justice McVeigh in the first instance, um, I raised this issue as well, and that they, and that the government should be punished in cost, but instead they awarded costs against uh, the family. So this is unimaginable, and I'm sure for a lot of, for for a lot of your listeners, but for the fact that they're hearing this, they would say this is not possible. But unfortunately, it's exactly what happened. And they want to talk about victims' rights, being sensitive to victims' rights. You know, Tim, if I didn't know what the system is like and didn't feel viscerally and, and, and have heard from victims and victims' family members many times over the years, Correctional Service Canada and the Parole Board appear to have the interest of the offender at heart and, uh, and not, and not, not the victims, and not the victims' families. And this substantiates that five and a half years, the parole board would not let you know whether they had that extremely sensitive and horrifying information, horrifying to the families that it might get out. For five and a half years, they refused to tell you whether they had it, and they were protecting Bernardo's privacy rights. It is almost inconceivable, but the more we hear and the more we're exposed to these organizations, the less unlikely it starts to become that they would do this sort of thing. It has to be stopped. And, and I'm just concerned now. I know, I know you are, and, and you're so much closer to this than I could ever be, but we're all concerned about what's going to happen between now and November when when Bernardo's parole hearing comes up. What else might happen? What other privacy rights? You know, what might you become aware of? And they wouldn't share it with you prior to the uh, parole hearing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we will have a ruling from the Federal Court of Appeal um, prior to that. And, you know, uh, I've been around long enough. You never, You don't know if you're going to win or you're going to lose. We put forward a very compelling case and as I've said to Roy, you and I have had this discussion many times. I, I, this is a, a deep principle that I believe in. If your cause is right, if your cause is just, uh, there's worse things than losing, and that's not trying. We don't expect to lose. We don't want to lose. Uh, we take nothing for granted. Uh, but we're not going to give up the good fight because it's a tough fight when you're taking on the government. I also think that... Um, you know, these examples that I've just given you not only expose the moral bankruptcy of the government's interpretation of privacy acts under the uh, under under the Privacy Act, where, as we've discussed before, there is a statutory requirement for the government to do a proportional and principled analysis between the public interest, the right to know, the public's right to know um, how important public institutions are functioning, and the specific privacy rights of the individual in question, in this case, Paul Bernardo. And so the fact that they find in favor of the privacy interests of, of, of Paul Bernardo, it means that there is no circumstances ever where the public interest will trump the privacy interest, which renders that statutory, mandatory exercise null and void or nugatory. And I do believe that they that not only is there a favoritism towards the offender against the, the victims and the public interest, but I believe that the, the the parole board and corrections uses that 
as a pretext to carry out their job in secrecy so they can never be held accountable. And that's why we must have transparency in our justice system. It's the only way that the public will have confidence in our justice system. And it's the only way that we can have a responsible and legitimate debate publicly as to whether we need legislative changes or whether our system is working properly or not. And what I don't understand is if the if the institutions of the Corrections Canada and the Pro Board are so confident in what they're doing, then they should have no problem having absolute transparency and justify their position among the public. Maybe they'll convince the public. Maybe they won't. But that's what democracy and free speech is all about. Tim, uh, this is a small aside, but when both Bernardo and Homolka were in prison, they still had the right to vote, and they voted in their constituency of last residence, so St. Catharines. So Bernardo and Homolka could negate the votes of Doug and Don French. That was just our system. That's always stuck in my craw. It's not germane to what we're talking about now, but it's just one of those things that is so frustrating and so so wrong. But talk to us, what did the judge say? When the judge decided for Bernardo's privacy rights and uh, sided with the government, and the government then wanted it, their, <laughs> they wanted their court costs paid for by the families, almost $20,000, and the judge lowered that, but still $4,000 directed toward the families. What did the judge say? Well, um, it, it, to make a long story short, um, there, was a, there was a significant constitutional challenge um, uh, on the basis that uh, parole hearings were public and the, therefore the open court uh, principle, which is protected by 2B of the Canadian Charter Rights and Freedoms, applies. And the judge found and this is before the now the Federal Court of Appeal, that notwithstanding that um, uh, parole hearings were public, uh, they, were, um, uh, uh, they were not quasi-judicial, which we reject, uh, but were rather non-adversarial and inquisitorial. Well, anyone who goes to these parole hearings and thinks they're non-adversarial is, is, is probably in the wrong room. And so, therefore, she found that the open court principle did not apply to uh, uh, court uh, to to parole hearings. So, therefore, our whole you know transparency argument was uh, was dismissed. And she bought uh, the government argument that uh, that that these prisoners uh, were entitled to um, to their privacy protection and and to, for to rehabilitation. And th this is what the problem is that they were there's. We're, we're talking. We talk about Paul Bernardo and people like him. We're talking about we're talking about the worst of the worst. We're talking about sadistic, sexual psychopaths. There is no cure for sadistic, se uh, sexual psychopathy. None. You will not find an expert in the world who will say otherwise. So the whole notion of rehabilitation is completely illusory. And so we're talking about, there's no slippery slope here. We're talking about maybe, maybe, Roy, one half of 1% of the prison population. We're not talking about the majority of, of people who are serving time in jail. We're not talking about the majority who have fixed sentences and are going to get out. Where, of course, you're going to encourage, you know, uh, uh, rehabilitation and, and kind of decompressing them back into the community because they're going to get out anyways. 
That's what we're not talking about. But what they're doing and what the judge bought into is, is putting all offenders, regardless of their offense and who they are, uh, into the same category. And that's a fundamental mistake. You know, so once you eliminate uh, the possibility of treatment and rehabilitation, the only principle, sentencing principle and justice principle that should apply to people like Paul Bernardo is spending the rest of their life right. in a federal penitentiary, maximum security. We don't yeah. have capital punishment. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. But what's left is that those very small, unique, dangerous, uh, untreatable offenders should not be given any leniency other than what leniency is afforded in a maximum security okay. federal penitentiary. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.